KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzay Torah. Today is Wednesday. We have the weekly shiur on the philosophy of the Vilna Gaon and his school by Havav Aliyakim Kambay. Shalom Lachem. We're going to continue examining the image of the Vilna Gaon as portrayed by his great disciples. Today, we're going to look at some of the writings of the preeminent disciple of the Vilna Gaon, Reb Chaim Ivelozhin. wrote in several places words of appreciation and, and adoration in relation to his great master, but the lengthiest portrayal of the Gra, which we have from a Pine Velozhin, appears, interestingly enough, in the introduction to an esoteric Kabbalistic work upon which the Vilna Gaon had written an important commentary. This work is called the Sifra Ditzniuta. The Sifra Ditzniuta is textually brief. Uh, it's part of the Zohar. The Zohar, as you may know, is not a monolithic work. It's composed of uh, many compositions that have their own names. There's the Raya Mehemna, Tikkunei Zohar, Zohar Hadash, Idra Rabba, Idra Zuta, some long, some short. And the Sifa Ditzniuta is one of these works which the, uh, which the Vilna Gaon uh, wrote a commentary on. In the introduction to this work, Reb Chaim portrays the Vilna Gaon. And the first point that I'd like to concentrate on is the way Reb Chaim Velazhin describes the Vilna Gaon's life work in learning Torah. We alluded to this briefly in our previous year, but here in the words of Reb Chaim Velazhin, it appears in greater detail. Uh, so let us proceed. Reb Chaim Velazhin begins with a capsulized description of the history of Torah Shabal Peh. Uh, he says that initially there was a tremendous volume of Torah Shabal Peh. We have Shisha Sidrei Mishnah. There once were 500 starim, actually 900 starim of Mishnah. Rabbi Udanasi saw that this amount of material was too hard for most people to handle. And in particular, since life became harder, people uh, were not capable of devoting so much time to study, they weren't concentrated, there was a danger that Torah Shabbat would be lost. Therefore, Rabbi Udanasi decided that the time dictated that Torah be transformed into a more digestible form. And he did just that. He created a digest of Torah, which he called the Shisha Sidrei Mishnah. Time passed, and the Mishnah became insufficient, because the Mishnah was very brief. All the halachot could be found there, but it was hard for people, once again, to find all the halachot in the Mishnah. So therefore, the people had to come and write the Gemara, which expanded and expounded on the Mishnah, so that things would become clearer. 
time passed, and once again, it became very difficult for people to find the halacha in the Gemara, and therefore all sorts of halachic words were written, until the Shulchan Aruch. So now we are faced with a situation in which the halacha lemaaseh, which most people need, are found in halachic works, such as Shulchan Aruch, and we can add on Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, and so forth. Rabbi Chaim Velazhin says as follows, Omnam, kol divrei kotsham, and that's all the words of the post scheme, such as the Shulchan Aruch, Hema solet nekia, asher chafaruha, karuha, mayanot nuv'im mimkoram bishnei atamudim, ba'avli v'yushami. However, Rabbi Chaim Velazhin says, the source of all these halachot are the Tamudim, the Bavli, the Yerushami. Right, the source of the source, in other words, the source of the Gemara, is in the Mishnah. Rabbi Chaim Velazhin extrapolates from here a certain principle of, or a certain definition, I should say, of what advanced Torah learning is. He says, An advanced scholar, an accomplished Tamid Chacham, what should he do with his time? In other words, he should anchor all of his halachot, all the halachot that he learns, he should make sure that he anchors them in the Gemara. However, there's an even higher level. Someone who's a real Tamid Chacham. Right, in other words, a really, a really accomplished scholar, he should go further, not only anchor all of the halachot namaseh in the Gemara, but he should take the Gemara and show how all of the Gemara is found in the Mishnah. This is something which is not always obvious, not always clear. There are, of course, certain, certainly many cases where the Gemara dissects and analyzes the Mishnah specifically, and we see how the halachot are derived. But many halachot are said stam in the Gemara, and Rav Chaim Velazhin maintains here that all of these halachot have a basis in the Mishnah, and it's the job of the Talmud Chacham to find it. This is his main work. This is his definition of Talmud Torah. Now, I should mention that this idea that all of the halachot can ultimately be found in the Mishnah is an idea which is found in sources that are more ancient. Uh, there are several Gemarot that relate to this idea. I'll quote one, which is perhaps the most clear and extreme example. The Gemara Tanit Afkaf Aleph tells us that there was some kind of minor conflict between Ilfa and Rabbi Yochanan, two of the great Amoraim, as to who was the greater Lamdin. So Ilfa, in order to demonstrate his prowess, went and tied himself up on the high mast of a ship. 
And he said, in a clear, loud voice, If someone would come to me and ask about a certain Tosefta, a halacha that is found in the Tosefta, and I fail to find the source of that Tosefta in the Mishnah, I'll let myself fly off from this mass and I'll drown myself. In other words, Ilfa prided himself on his ability to show where all of the halachot can be found in the Shisha Sidre Mishnah. So then this idea can be found in the Talmud itself. But nevertheless, the definition of high-level Talmud Torah that Rokhaim Vilajan gives us over here, that this is really the main preoccupation of Alamdan, this is what he should be doing, finding where all of the halachot come from, the, the source in the Gemara, and the source of the source in the Mishnah. This is something which I think is not self-evident. If we think for ourselves, uh, how do we define Talmud Torah? What's high-level Talmud Torah? We have a completely different conce- conception. People who've learned in modern-day yeshivot, they think that conceptual analysis is the apex of Talmud Torah. Categorization, definition. Nevertheless, this is what Rabbi Chaim Vlazhen tells us, and he proceeds to say, that this was actually the life work of the Vilna We see this clearly, he says, in his commentary to Shulchan Aruch, where his main object is to show how everything comes from the Gemara, so that a person who learns the Shulchan Aruch with the Hagra will feel that and experience that he's actually following a halacha, which is not a halacha of the Shulchan Aruch. It's not a halacha of Rishonim, but it's a halacha which the Amoraim tell us. Not only that, says But the Vilna himself also was proficient at grounding all of the halachot in the Gemara in the Mishnah. And in connection with this, this is another detail which Reb Chaim does not say here, but which we know from the words of Rabbi Yisrael Mishklav, whom we saw last week. We know that the Vilna was also proficient at grounding all of the Mishnayot in Psukim, in the Torah. So that now, Rabbi Chaim Vilajan sums up the life work of the Vilna as follows. He says, Hu asher b'chiborav ha-kdoshim, pina v'kavash v'heir l'faneinu atadderech, derech ha-kodesh, Right, he went on a path which was a path untrodden for several generations before the Vilnagaon. If we follow in the footsteps of the Gaon, we, fought, we learn a halacha in its source, and then we find the source of the source until we reach the ultimate source of everything. Uh, now, in a similar fashion, says Rupchayim Vlajan, the Vilna Gaon did the same thing with 
Kabbalistic literature. And he says the Sifa Detzniuta is a good example. A, a brief word about the Sifa Detzniuta. I said it's part of the Zohar. But actually, this work bears an interesting relationship to the other parts of the Zohar. Because very often, the Zohar will take a quotation from Sifa Detzniuta and proceed to expand it and expound upon it. In other words, this brief encoded work, the Sifa Detzniuta, serves as a, as a jumping off point for the Zohar in its other parts for Kabbalistic mystical uh, homiletics. In the same way that a verse from the Torah might serve as the jumping off point for a drasha, or in the same way that a Mishnah might serve as the jumping off point for a sugya of the Talmud. So now what the, what the Vilna Gaon did in relation to the Sifa Detzniuta is the same kind of thing. He went through it systematically and he showed how every uh, brief phrase in the Sifa Detzniuta really alludes to uh, great mystical ideas which can be found in fuller form in the other works of the mystical literature. Now, it's interesting that this idea, this characteristic of the learning of the Vilna Gaon, was chosen by Rehlein Velazhin to emphasize in this introduction to a Kabbalistic work. Because I think there's a profound connection here. This way of thinking that the source has a source and the source has another source, till you reach the source of all, these, all, the, all the sources, the ultimate source, this is actually a characteristic of mystical thought in relation to creation. The universe, all reality, is viewed as a series of emanations. There's an ultimate source from which the initial level of reality stems. That level of reality itself is the source of the next level, and so on and so forth, until we reach the final level, which can be compared to the halakha l'maseh, in other words, our reality is actually uh, the Shulchan Aruch of reality, the concrete mitziyut. But this reality really has uh, the nature of being the bottom rung of a ladder, or in the context of the metaphor of Replying Religion, it's actually a series of fountains, where every fountain stems from the next fountain up and up, so we reach the top of the mountain where the source of all the sources is found. And this brings us to another point. Why did Rupayim Velazhin choose to portray the Gra in such great detail in the context of a Kabbalistic work? In addition to what I've said until now, there's another point which is clearly in operation. Rebbechaim Velazhin, in this introduction, expresses grief over the fact that the Vilna Gaon apparently had the reputation of being only a person of Nigle. We can guess who are the people who have been, who have been spreading these rumors. The Vilna Gaon, of course, had many critics in his day, mainly from the Hasidic camp. Hasidut, which emphasized its Kabbalistic sources very much, uh, 
And many of the followers of Hasidut apparently had accused the Vilna Gaon of being totally divorced from the mystical tradition. Rav Chaim Velazhin wishes to dispute this notion altogether, and he portrays the Vilna Gaon as one of the greatest of Kabbalists, which he undoubtedly was. And to this end, he brings us uh, several stories, which are quite interesting. Uh, let's take one of them. Dvilnagon told Rabbi that once he had a certain problem in understanding a certain passage in the Zohar. And he mulled over this problem for 12 whole weeks. And he was incapable of solving his problem. Now one day, in the middle of davening, while he was saying Shmona Israel, Anosh Chodesh, Shmona Israel Shacharit, in one instant, he solved the problem. Not only did he solve the problem, but he was able to find seven solutions to the problem. He had seven interpretations which simply miraculously entered his mind in the middle of Shemona Esrei on Rosh Chodesh. The villain Nagon was talking about this to his eminent disciple, Chaim Yulajin, and he asked him, what do you think, what should I have done? I'm in the middle of davening, I can't start thinking about something else now. But nevertheless, this was a problem which tremendously vexed me, which I've been thinking about for months. What do you think I should have done? Chaim Velazhin says, well, I, I told my master that, uh, okay, take a quarter of a minute, take 15 seconds, and think about the matter, try to set it up clearly in your mind so you won't forget it, and then go on davening. What, even such a thing you think would be considered a hefzik? Is there a halakhic problem in devoting a few seconds to this uh, problem in Talmud Torah? So the Vindagon says, you know, I, that's what I thought also. And that's what I did. So after I organized the, the solutions in my mind and I had it clear, which only took a few seconds, I went back to davening. But then, after I finished davening, and I thought, well, now I'll be able to review the solutions to this problem, I discovered that my mind had been wiped clean. I didn't remember a thing from all these great solutions to this tremendous problem. And I was very, very sorrowful about this. And I continued to say Halil. And I started to dive in Musaf. And in Musaf it happened again. The same thing happened. The same set of solutions came up in my mind. But this time I didn't succumb. I realized that this thing was an anisayon, a test that they were sending me from above. So I simply had nothing to do with it. I went on davening as if nothing had happened. And then, after I finished davening Musaf, then I found that all of the seven solutions were clear in my mind. Truly a remarkable story. Uh, which Rebchaim Velazhin used to demonstrate the, the affinity, the tremendous steeping of the Vonagon in Kabbalistic lore, and also the fact that he was, 
he, he had a line of communication with the upper worlds through which he apparently uh, perceived many truths that had, that had to do with Kabbalah. Uh, Rabbi Chaim Velazhin points out here also, we see from here the tremendous purity of thought of the Vilna Gaon, that this thought of Kabbalah on his level was considered a machshavazara. For him to start thinking about something like this, that, that was considered a, uh, a foreign thought, which one ought not to think while davening. As we say, halavai aleinu. I would like to tell you another story which Rebchaim Vajin quotes over here. A story which has been analyzed by uh, different scholars and which has been often quoted. This has to do with Magidim. What are Magidim? As you may know, Rabbi Yosef Karo had a Magid. A Magid is a, an, in, in Kabbalistic nomenclature, is a malach, an angel, who comes to a person and talks with him, teaches him, reveals to him uh, secrets of the Kabbalah. And it is related about many of the great Ba'alei Thod that they had such magidim. Rabbi Yosef Karo had one, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Utsato had one, and the Zilnagon almost had one. There was a certain Magid, Rabbi Chaim Velazhin says that he heard this from the Vilna Gaon himself. There was an angel that came to the Vilna Gaon who wanted to teach the Vilna Gaon. He actually pleaded to let the Vilna Gaon teach him. He said, I can teach you things, great mysteries, and you won't have to expend any effort. Effortlessly. Just, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the answers to many problems. I'll reveal to you many secrets. But, Rabchaim Vlazhin says about the Vilna Gaon, He had nothing to do with this Magid. The Zonagon wanted to work by himself at Talmud Torah. He didn't want to be given a free gift from this Magid. Now what is the meaning of this story? Why is it that the Zonagon refused to be taught by this angel? There are those who say that the Vilna Gaon here is trying to set up a barrier between the intellectual effort of Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah is something which is characterized by human toil and human effort of an intellectual nature. That is totally divorced from the charismatic mystical life. The life of experience. The life of a deep, profound, religious, spiritual experience which is of a totally different nature. According to this theory, the Vilna Gaon thought that when you're learning Torah, you should be learning Torah simply on an intellectual level, trying to conscript, conscript all of your intellectual prowess and abilities in the service of Talmud Torah, and have no connection with anything mystical or of a uh, 
spiritual, eminently spiritual, spiritual nature. However, I think that if we look closely at this passage, which, which I've read to you, we can see that this uh, understanding is not really correct. Why is it that the Vilna wanted only the Torah which he learned because he says, I don't want Torah from an imtsai, from an intermediary. I don't want Torah from an intermediary. I want Torah from a Karish Baruch Hu. Straight from him. Straight from the source. The Vundagon ties up two different things. The Amal, the toil, the labor of Tamil Torah, and the directness of the, recip- of the receiving of Torah from HaKadosh Baruch himself. Vilnagon thought, he felt and experienced that when he learned Torah with his own intellectual prowess, which was quite prodigious, he felt that then he was learning Torah straight from HaKadosh Baruch This is an idea which is, I think, uh, to, mo- to the mind of most people, something of an innovation. I think most of us today are under the influence of Hasidut, for example, in this regard. When we think about the idea of Dveikut, of communing with our Karish Baruch Hu, we accept the Hasidic idea that in order to have communion with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you have to nullify yourself. Hitbatlut. The human presence and the human toil, the human activity is static that interferes with the possibility of a person actually communing with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a meaningful way. And to have connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu means you have to take yourself out of the picture. But the Vilna Gaon, and this is really the traditional Misnagdic view, and one of the, I think, major points of controversy between the, the Misnagdic philosophy of life as opposed to the Hasidic philosophy, the Vilna Gaon held that just the opposite is true. If you want to have connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you want to have the Vekut, the only way that you have a hope of achieving this is by expending every ounce of effort every drop of energy, every talent that you have in order to achieve it. And only once you have done all of this, only then HaKadosh Baruch Hu may decide that he agrees to have this communion with you. And as I emphasize again, this idea is totally opposed. It's totally different to what we find in Hasidut for instance, in, in Breslav, you'll find the idea that a person has to wait and simply make himself into a tabula rasa, wait for Kadesh Baruch Hu to, to establish some connection with him. But for Misnagid, like the Vonagon, this is not true at all. 
I hope that in our coming sessions we'll see a bit more of this idea and the way the Vilna Gaon expounds it, which is really one of the underpin- underpinnings of his philosophy of life. The upshot of this portrayal of the Vilna Gaon by Rukhain Velazhin is to put again the Gaon on a pedestal to show how he was on such a high level above and beyond the normal run-of-the-mill Gadol B'Torah. And I would sum up this uh, discussion with a few lines from something else which Reb Chaim Velazhin wrote. As you all know, Reb Chaim Velazhin was the founder of the great yeshiva of Velazhin. When he founded this yeshiva, he wrote a letter which was distributed widely in order to garner support for this great project. And incidentally, since he knew that this letter would be read by many people, he takes the opportunity to correct what he perceived as a certain error which many people have. He says, Anochi shamati shnikra alai shem rabbeinu hagadol mirabban shemo kadosh yisrael voro hagaon noreinu rabbe liyahu chasid mivuna vezachiti liikarei b'shmo atov alai lemor shani tamido. I'm aware of the fact that people refer to me and look at me as the disciple of the Vilnagon. And this is certainly true to this day. That is how everyone perceives Rabbi Chaim Vilozhin. However, Rabbi Chaim Vilozhin did not see himself in this way. Anyone who makes this statement is totally mistaken. Totally proficient in every single halachic work that was ever written, with absolutely no doubts and no questions. He knew the correct pshat in every single line. Not only that, he was also an innovator. But compared to me, I don't even know one Masechet in a clear way. In other words, what I learned from him, what I learned from the Vilna Gaon was a derech. As he showed me how to learn. That I did get from him. But as far as the implementation and the results and the proficiency and the bukiyut, the tremendous mastery, the Gaon was in a class by himself and no one, no one can be justly called his Talmud. Lo yusag, lo yishu'av, lo yuman, yegi'at harav ha-Gaon. No one can begin to imagine the tremendous effort and toil that the Vilna Gaon expended in learning and in the merit of this tremendous effort. He was able actually to understand totally the Torah without, without any speckled at all. So much for a brief account of Reb Chaim Velazhin's portrayal of the Vilna Gaon. 
In our next session, we'll go on to cover up a few more important points about the image of the Vonagon. And afterwards, we'll go on to examine uh, some more specific issues that relate to the heritage of the Gaon, from which we all learn and continue to live uh, to this day.